Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to start goofy. Okay. All right. Welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha. Not Matt Stobb. And this is Legally Sound Smart Business, the podcast. What do you think about that? It sounds the same as the previous uh, 184 episodes, but you know, it's, it's fine. Fine with me. Yeah. It's cool. I'm excited. What a great fight that was two days ago. <laughs> well, so I haven't seen it yet. And I don't know if, are you planning on going somewhere and watching it or ordering it? No, I'm not. I like watching UFC fights and boxing once in a while, but these fights always seem to be a letdown. You know, there's just so much hype around it, right? That's what I've been saying the last few days is in the last 20 years or so, all the big fights I can remember have either been, like for whatever reason, I went somewhere and watched the, I think it was in 2007, Oscar De La Hoya fought somebody and it was just, is it 12 rounds, 10 rounds, however many rounds of it, it was just them dancing around and then they took punches in the last like 30 seconds. Yeah. It's like, what was the point of this? It was just, it actually might've been, I think it was Mayweather De La Hoya, if I remember correctly. The best fights are sometimes the, what do they call it? The undercard. Yeah. Sometimes they're the best. And, and every once in a while you get some, you know, headliner, whatever you want to call it, that are that are going toe to toe and it, and it and actually makes it enjoyable. But I think those are rare occasions, frankly. I'm not a boxing pundit by any means, but from what people have said is this is about five years too late for this matchup. It's a little bit past <laughs> yeah, their prime. Exactly. Yeah, so I don't know how I can put that in terms you, you would understand. <laughs> Let's see, you watch soccer. Who's the one guy? This is David Beckham versus somebody. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I pay attention to soccer that much. Well, don't leave a bad review about me because it's about to be federally banned. <laughs> I, I screwed that up. That was terrible, terrible lead-in. Terrible transition. Yeah. I mean, don't disparage you, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so we've talked about this before in California. They made it so it's in effect now that you can't have a consumer sign an, or a customer sign an agreement saying that you will penalize them if they leave a disparaging review or make a disparaging statement in public against you. And so... There's a, a federal law that's trying to be passed that will essentially be the same thing. It's is going to ban these non-disparagement clauses, which are more or less threats against customers for leaving these these bad reviews and, and sometimes even penalizing the, the customers as well or threatening penalty if they leave these reviews. And, you know, I, I don't remember. I hope I'm saying the same thing I said before when we talked about this because I, I want to make sure I'm consistent in what I say because it's been over a year. But like you have to have a good service. And if you don't, then it's kind of what you take. I mean, I, I, I guess. All right. Let me let me dial that back because I don't agree with what I just said. <laughs> I think just rewind it. So actually, this is good because my thoughts on this have changed since we recorded the first time. That, that was my stance the first time. But with the way Yelp and these other review sites have gone some of these reviews aren't legitimate. So people can leave. I get, well, okay. I'm just having a conversation with myself. Cause I guess those people <laughs> wouldn't be signing the contracts necessarily. I don't know. I, it's a coin flip for me. I guess the customers that are just, or the people that are just making up reviews that aren't legitimate, aren't signing anything, but right. But there are, there are sometimes, you know, when you get, we've dealt with this before you get a customer that not for our firm, but our clients, they'll, they'll have a customer where, 
They just don't have a, a positive experience. And that, frankly, if you're doing any kind of volume, that's going to happen, you know, one of these days. Even if you're a great business, one out of a thousand, one out of 10,000, whatever, it's going to happen. But then sometimes that person that has a bad experience, they feel like it's it's in their power, which it is, to accentuate and exaggerate their problems in such a way that they start, you know, not only complaining about your business, but starts getting really personal and, and blasting this information all throughout the internet, including Yelp and and having their friends do it. I mean, I, I've one of the most common things I see, like if a bride or groom have a bad experience with a wedding vendor, they'll have all their guests go onto the site and, and bring a negative view, which, you know, let's say that even if the they're rightfully so complaining, that kind of reaction will literally kill a business, yeah. taking away the income. And I know a wedding's a once in a lifetime deal for most people, but to me, like those kinds of things ends up being part of the experience, part of the wedding and killing a business, killing a person's income is a different story. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I can't even count the number of business owners and businesses we've talked to that have had a bad experience and or had a customer's had a bad experience and they feel like their business has just been decreased like crazy because they have a bad review and it's just thrown them down this hill. Yeah. And remember we had one client that didn't quite want to have a non-disparagement clause, but something similar, which we were very supportive of if we, we were discussing, but we were in a state that prohibited that kind of thing. You know, like for example, in California, a contract that proposes waiving the consumer's right to make any statement regarding the seller or lesser or its employees or agents or concerning the goods or services, that's restricted. But what's unclear is what if you tell your customers, and I don't know, by the way, the, the federal proposed regulation, I think is the same person or that was involved or somehow part of the California legislation too. So there's some connection there. So I assume the federal law would be similar to the California law. My point being is that what if you in your consumer contract said, okay, you can make a review, but it has to be truthful. And what's interesting about that is that it's basically restating the law because if you if one of your consumers posts a review that is not truthful and is disparaging, then that's defamation, right? And so basically having a contract agreement that says you're not going to commit defamation is not really <laughs> going in the line of a non-disparagement clause. Yeah, you're not going to have something in the contract like you're not going to commit any sort of wrongs against me. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, it, the the one you're referencing is yeah, it's drawing a fine line like it was whether it was non a non-disparagement clause or not and, and the the law is so new we didn't really know how it was going to play out, but it's funny you say the thing about these the same person being involved in drafting this federal law cuz this one is different in one aspect that it's let's see poses a penalty or fee, blah, 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 which gives the, the business any intellectual property rights over the customer's lawful communication. So I don't know if you've noticed this part or not, but there's been a couple businesses that have tried to say anything you post, whether it be a review or a photo, you're assigning that the property rights, intellectual property rights over to me. And so I have control over this and I can do what I want with it. And now you have to take it down, which is a, yes. <laughs> hey, I'll give them credit. That's a creative argument, but it didn't, didn't really work. Yeah, it does. And, and just to take Yelp's consideration, if you send Yelp a DMCA notice, a Digital Millennium Copyrights Act notice, basically saying that that content that's been posted is owned by me. And so therefore it should be taken down. 
and you have a, you're a legitimate owner of that, Yelp will take it down. But whether there's a valid copyright there or not, and whether it's validly assigned and all that, that's a different issue. But point is that can't be effective. And it's, you're right, it is creative, but that's not going to last very long. Yeah. Well, there's, like I said, there's been a couple attempts already, a dentist saying that there was a clause in the agreement automatically granting her in IP rights to anything the clients wrote about her and a Florida apartment complex saying any photos, which is, this is crazier because it's real estate. Any photos taken of the property belong to them, no matter what the capacity was. And, uh, that's interesting. It's, it's a similar law. I mean, to the California one. It looks like the judge in that case said, which was interesting, it constitutes a breach of fiduciary duty and violations of dental ethics, which are pretty strong words. And this was in a default judgment apparently. So maybe we can take a look a little bit more into that case. But so if you also recall, we, when we covered it last time, people were putting basically liquidated damages, like automatically, if you put something non-disparaging on the internet, then you would be fined 5,000 grand or, or 5000 grand, $5,000, and you would be sent a bill or something like that, and they would try to enforce that. So this California legislation, this federal legislation is in response to that. But you're right. I mean, you, you pinpointed the kind of split emotions about we should give the ability for consumers to, to you know, complain, especially if there's something wrong with particular business, you know, a plumber that cheats or a restaurant that has bad hygiene. But the problem is, is that actual reviews don't end up being that way. They're very petty and and can be really disparaging in, in, in a defamatory manner. Yeah, I mean, those obviously, well, uh, it looks like it might be banned outright, but I don't know if we've ever come across a, a case where the business did end up suing the person and trying to collect some sort of penalty from them and them actually getting money out of it. Like, I, don't, I don't think that's happened from what I can find. I'd be surprised. I mean, maybe in some kind of small court, there, there was ClearGear.com who ordered to pay $306,000 to a couple who wrote a negative review because they sued them this for $3,500 for the non-disparagement fee and somehow it ballooned to something else. But uh, that was last year again. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to, how about this idea? If you want to dra- draft it up very literally, say, you know, if you leave a negative review about me, I'm going to fine you. But let's say that it's a truthful negative review and they, you know, they did a bad job and you still fine them for it. I mean, that would be how I would interpret that. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like, yeah, I know, I know I screwed up, but I said you couldn't leave any negative reviews, so I'm still fining you money for it. What if you had a contract agreement that forced your consumers or your customers to leave a positive review? I don't think that would be enforced. I wonder. I don't think there's any law against it. I think it might be enforceable. People might have problems with it. If you can get them to agree, but can't see that working out if you're going to try to enforce that in court. I guess that would still be a non-disparagement because what if they want to leave a non-disparaging review? So the question would be, are they still permitted to leave a positive review and a non-disparagement review? I guess that doesn't make sense. <laughs> anyway. Getting too deep into this. Yeah, getting too deep. All right. Okay, well, we can end it there in that great enlightening comment of mine. Is there a timeline for this? Do we know? I think it's just a bill that's been proposed, so we're probably early in the game. It hasn't even been signed a bill number or anything like that. We'll keep an eye on it, though. Yeah, keep an eye. What'd you say? I said, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Oh, I thought you said, all right, we'll keep it sound and keep it smart. <laughs> I can say that as well if you if you want. Keep it sound and keep it smart. But what'd you say? Uh, you're making me repeat a bunch of stuff. We got it the first time. Keep it sound and keep it smart. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll see you then. 
This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.